Tom, are you okay? I lost her. Her? She was going to be this epic, trilogy-worthy character. I was going to be the hottest writer in Hollywood. But I can't get past Act One! You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Are you ready for your session? The doctors are in. Okay, so I don't think it'll come as any surprise to any of our listeners, but you and I are both huge, huge nerds when it comes to our favorite genres. Yes, big nerds. Oh my gosh. Science fiction, that's you. Fantasy, that's me. Which kind of begs the question then, how do you do good world building? Because that's key to both of those genres. Really good world building. Mm-hmm. With, well, with science fiction, for me at least, I find it's a little easier than fantasy because I can start with our existing world. I don't have to build that mm-hmm. and then just add my twist into it. You know, great. We now have artificial, we have robots that have artificial intelligence or or we have um, you know, flying cars, or we have, um, you know, interdimensional travel, whatever it is, Rick and Morty and that kind of stuff. You know, you kind of just throw that one thing in, but it's a real world, regular people. And you've got your, your crisis that comes up because the aliens or dinosaurs or whoever is running it, running amok. Mm-hmm. Whereas in fantasy, you're creating an entirely new world. Yeah. But you the, could be creating everything from scratch. Yeah. But the nice thing about that is because it's your world, it's your rules, and you can break whatever you want. Yes. Well, yeah, because you're creating new societies, new cultures, new peoples, new problems. Well, actually, the problems are usually pretty universal, yes. but within a different culture. Yeah. Do you find it's harder, though, because you have to, you have to establish that world, and then you have to stick to it, you know, because you can't constantly break the, your own rules that you create, although some movies do that, and I think that's why they annoy us. <laughs> I think... Well, I think with fantasy, you really have to have at least 80% of it figured out before you start crafting the story. Because if you start writing and then you're like, oh, uh, you know, I said that dragons breathe fire, but now all of a sudden they can also breathe snow or something. You're like, what? (laughs) You, You know, you just have to like establish it. And of course, even in fantasy, there are certain tropes and rules uh, for example, this would be like a old high fantasy concept, but like the concept of the fair folk, you know, the, there's some general rules about that, about how you don't eat in the land of fairy and you don't drink and they can steal you away. There's changelings and, you know, all that stuff establish legends. So you can't really break too many of those rules. You can kind of bend them and have fun with them. But some of those rules are already established on how you deal with those because those are like legends. Yeah, and and, well, and that's one of my pet peeves in science fiction is they'll break some of the most basic laws of physics, like gravity and things like that. They they like to always assume that we just oh we've invented artificial gravity. So um, I like my science fiction, especially when we, with reclamation, which the parts people haven't seen yet. I make uh, um, I make you Cassie uh, <laughs> float around in space without gravity, and you know that's part of the problem of that world. You know, it's the real science part of it. You know. Mm-hmm. but um, also sound in space. That's my other pet peeve. Like <laughs> there is no sound in space. That's why I always like Battlestar Galactica, the, the, re- the, the newer TV version, because mm-hmm. they seem to do that really 
you know, you had the spaceships and the battles, but they, it was all so quiet because it was space. Interesting. So they really, they thought that through. Yeah. I tried to be very realistic with it. So Yeah. I think with world building, you can, you can, uh, what's the word? Give it to people in pieces. But I think the major rules of that world, you need to establish upfront for your viewers or your readers, because mm-hmm. if you kind of hint at some things and then, you know, two hours in change things, people will be like, what are you doing? So you do have to establish some of the major rules up front. You know, for example, Harry Potter. Okay. Magic is real. That is established up front, you know, or Jurassic Park. It's established up front. We can create dinosaurs. Right. You know, you know? The DeLorean time machine and back to the future. Yeah. Everything else in the movie is just about personalities and relationships mostly. Mm-hmm. But you have to get past that first ex, you know, thing that, yeah, we can go back in time or go forward in time. Yeah. And then after that, you know, your audience is on board, but you just have to, you have to give it to them up front. You can't just like hit them with it later on, which is why I think going back to one of our favorite movies to talk about, Star Wars, it was an already established universe with how the Force kind of works. And then with The Last Jedi, suddenly they're throwing out all these new force powers. Some people loved it. And some people were like, what? We never knew that you could be in space and use the force to call yourself back to your spaceship. Or that you could astral project yourself um, like Luke did in in the, oh, spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) I think people have seen it by now. But yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, I just watched the uh, movie Extinction on Netflix. It was a Netflix movie that got picked up from Universal. Uh, it's a great movie because it, it 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 feels like it's in the real world. It has a great twist at the end. I'm not going to spoil it, but what they do is uh, they it, it seems like it's an alien invasion movie when it's it's really um, has to do with artificial intelligence and uh, it gets deeper into like you know the rights of artificially intelligent creatures or people or robots. Oh. But okay. uh, it was a nice twist on the on that kind of uh, the the characters appear human and then they're being uh, attacked by these people who look alien and uh and then there's a big surprise and reveal kind of kind of out there already in the world but it was nice because it was a familiar world and then they then then they they just pulled the rug out from under you and so it was like oh hmm. so those are kind of nice twists where they break the rules part way through in order to make make the, that conflict or that change more uh you know interesting and exciting and I guess that's something you do in, in fantasy and sci-fi. You do you you create the rules and then you see if you can break them to make, you know, the conflict that has to be, you know, exist in the story. Mm-hmm. But you do have to establish the rules up front. I think another thing too with good world building in general and especially in science fiction and fantasy because you're asking so much of the audience. I mean, film in general any sort of entertainment is suspension of disbelief. But you're asking quite a bit in science fiction and fantasy more than you would in a drama or regular comedy. So I think because you are asking so much of the audience, the other things need to be familiar. The conflicts, the relationships, the objectives of your characters have to be relatable and familiar to your viewers. 
because I'm not going to care about a blue humanoid alien unless that blue humanoid alien also wants to be loved or to succeed in a thing or whatever the objective is that I can understand and relate to. Yeah. Uh, two movies that jump out to me that kind of blew that uh, horribly were um, uh, John Carter of Mars and um, the other one was the Jupiter Ascending. Those are two big budget sci-fi movies um, where they had world building. Uh, one was a planet on Mars with several different cultures and at war. And then the other one was, I don't know, it wasn't actually on Jupiter, but that was, you know, there were major, huge, um, you know, it was, it was like world was building, but Mila, Mila Kunis. Yeah. Mila yeah. Kunis as the space princess working as a maid. Yeah. And it, it got so far gone that it was so hard to follow what was going on and who was who. And, and uh, it completely took you out of any, you know, science re- reality part of the story and kind of made it all fantasy. I feel like they were, they, they tried to be sci-fi movies, but they were actually way much more in the fantasy world. So more, you know, like more unique worlds versus, you know, our world kind of turned on its side, so to speak. Was Jupiter Ascending based on a book, though? It was. Yeah. So a lot of, which has been a, a problem in Hollywood, I think, in general, is a, a lot of popular novels, especially YA ones, where they take them and they try to adapt them and they just, the ad- uh, adaptations just fall really flat. Yeah. But that might be an interesting uh, thought, too, because in a book, you can build a world slowly over time. And you can do it with internal monologues and you can do it with external dialogue and circumstances where, but in a movie, you, you don't have as many options or as much time to build that world. And I wonder if that's why some of those adaptations don't work. So how about for you guys? What are some of your favorite or worst examples of world building in film and TV? Let us know at WG Therapy. You can also find us online at writersgrouptherapy.com. And if you like what you hear, subscribe and share it with your friends. We'll see you next week.